and welcome to Super Nerd Podcast, the adventure that brings you the latest nerd news and rumors from movies, TV, entertainment, and science. You name it, if it is nerdy, we are talking about it. And tonight's main event is Total Recall 30th Anniversary Rewind. I am your host, Austin. And with me, as always, is the amazing Amanda! Hey! Plus the wild, yet elusive, Jekka! I'm back! I know, it's been so long, we we missed you! Aw, thanks! It has been a while. We normally get weekly updates, and now we don't, we we haven't had any in a while. Yes. Yeah, it was. uh, So there was Memorial Weekend where I went to St. George. And that was a crazy adventure because we went out to this trailhead, this trail that was on an 80 mile dirt road. And because we didn't know how the dirt road was going to be, we took two cars. So we took like one of our Jeeps and then my car, which is a Subaru Crosstrek. And as we were coming back, like, I don't know what rock decided it was fed up with cars, but it punctured my tire. Oh, no. So we had to change my tire on this dirt road. And then I drove 50 miles on a dirt road with a donut. Um, so that was a little crazy because I had to wait till Tuesday to get it fixed. But we got it fixed. So it's all good. Well, now, then, well, now, now yeah. you're back. Yes, I am. And we Yay! get to talk to you. Because, uh, because this week... We are hitting the rewind button to talk about Arnold Schwarzenegger and his total recall (laughs) celebrating its 30th anniversary. Can you believe it's been 30 years? It's crazy. But first, you know, we're going to be talking all sorts of fun, nerdy news uh, and rumors. Uh, Apparently, a new actor will be taking on the role of Joker, a brand new actor. Can you believe that? Plus, <laughs> apparently King Kong may have a beard in the upcoming Godzilla vs. Kong movie, and there's rumors of Pedro Pascal becoming helmetless in Mandalorian Season 2 and a whole lot more. So make sure you hit that podcast subscribe button. We would love to nerd out with you each and every week. Uh, and if you've already hit that subscribe button, thank you so much. We love you guys. We say that every week. We mean it. Uh, tell a friend about us. And if you haven't, hit that subscribe button. But in the meantime, yeah, yeah, Jekka, fill us in some more, more stuff. What, what's nerdy with you? I finished watching Star Wars Rebels. Ah, uh, yeah. And now I'm just like, I want Star Wars, but I want like Star Wars TV shows. Like, and I'm just in limbo right now disney knows yeah <laughs> oh, disney man. knows. like so so the fun thing too is after watching clone wars and star wars rebels i rewatched the mandalorian yeah because like at that point i was like man i can see why john favreau and dave filoni wanted to do a tv series about a mandalorian because holy cow the mandalorians are super cool like <laughs> <laughs> yeah they are on like story arc and all that and I realized in the Star Wars universe, you don't get a lot of like culture in a way. Sure. You just see, like different planets, some different food, mostly different like animals, but you don't really get a sense of culture except with Mandalore. Like yeah. they, they really shine a light on their culture. And so I just, ugh. so I'm kind of like in limbo. 
Now, did, did you know, <laughs> did you know that John Favreau, uh, voiced one of the Mandalorians from star Wars, uh, the Clone Wars. Did you know that? No, so, I didn't. So that's actually how Dave Filoni and John Favreau's working relationship began. Uh, but but I, I want to know your thoughts on Rebels because like you saw some pretty cool stuff. Like tell me about the time uh, when Jack or Jekka. <laughs> that's me. That's me. I'm when, when Ahsoka. You should be honored. I, I mixed up uh, your name with Ahsoka's name. Yeah. Oh, I'm so honored. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when Ahsoka faced Darth Vader slash Anakin oh in, in that Sith Temple. Oh, I was like heartbreaking, but that was such an epic fight. I was like, oh my gosh, like the master and the apprentice facing off and she sees what he's become. And then much, much later, like in the series finale when or like towards the ser- end of the series finale when Ezra enters through the doorway and he yeah. saves Ahsoka like he saves her from the collapsing building and then he turns and he finds where Kanan is and he wants to pull Kanan to safety and Ahsoka's like you can't save your master just like I can't save mine and I was like oh but yeah that was like oh it was so that was so epic just her and Anakin fighting in the yeah. temple. Like I was like, oh, that was amazing. Yeah, Crazy. and that and that moment when uh, Ahsoka says to Vader, um, you know, I won't leave you this time, yeah. uh, or or something along those lines. It was like yeah, straight yeah. straight to the feels. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> and and then when, and then and then when she chops off part of the mask and Anakin's eyes, you know, uh, you, she can see Anakin behind the mask. Uh man, yeah. I, I remember when that came out. Uh, Dave Filoni was talking about how, um, you know, he he because because you have to if, if 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 you have to remember in the timeline of events when the Clone Wars ended. Um, you know, they did they didn't really know Dave Filoni didn't really know what the future of Star Wars held. Um, uh, because Disney ended uh the Clone Wars, not George Lucas. And so yeah. so when Rebels came about and that scene finally popped up, you know, Dave Filoni was doing interviews saying that he had been imagining for himself and kind of just doodling, you know, what a Ahsoka versus Darth Vader confrontation would look like and i would say it was spectacular for me that was that was the highlight of star wars rebels no it really was like i think the only other ending of a season that came after that was the very like the end of season four with like kanan gone and ezra kind of taking those reins to be like let's let's get rid of the empire from lethal kind of thing like yeah. that's pretty epic but man i just like after i finished star wars rebels i actually went back to that episode with the sith temple and i rewatched mm-hmm. those two episodes because like yeah just that fight between ahsoka and vader it was so good and the funny thing too is um i've gotten my brother who's a huge star wars fan but hadn't seen clone wars or rebels yeah. I got him watching him and he's he just finished season four of the Clone Wars and already he's Ooh. like, Oh, I I hope I can't wait to see like Ahsoka meet Anakin after he turns Darth Vader. And I was like, Oh buddy, you gotta wait for Rebels for that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, You gotta wait for Rebels, but oh man, it's awesome. All yeah. right. So 
I'm gonna have to break in and share my nerd news because, oh, because it's just fun. Shush, oh, shush. Okay. <laughs> shush. All right. All right. Okay. So I'm dealing with Anakin's obsession. Our son. I you okay. interrupted. I shush you for a reason. <laughs> you shush. I'm just providing. Shush, shush, shush. I'm shush, providing shush. context. <laughs> I had this all planned out where I was gonna say I'm dealing with Anakin's obsession <laughs> with the dark side. My son happens to be named Anakin. <laughs> and you literally interrupt me. I have no patience, apparently. <laughs> I told you to shush. The boy has no patience. I do have patience, Ben. Tell him I have patience. <laughs> anyway, so I'm talking with Anakin, and he's all like, his favorite character right now is Darth Maul. And he got uh, a whole. I can't blame him. Like Darth Maul, after watching Clone Wars and Rebels, I'm like, I just like Darth Maul all around now. So Anakin's been carrying around a Bluetooth speaker connected to my phone, and he's making me play Duel of Fates on repeat. Uh, well, do you know why? I don't think you know the story behind why he wants to listen to the Duel of Fates on repeat. Okay. Okay. So, uh, me and my kids, we do jujitsu. Uh, pretty regularly, especially in this quarantine, because we need to find a constructive outlet for our kids' energy. Anyways, so, uh, you know, I have the kids kind of spar me from time to time, and but I let the kids pick their own song to, you know, you know listen to while they're sparring me. And uh, Anakin wants to listen to the Duel of Fates every time he's uh, sparring me now. So that's not the reason. Yeah, we talking about. No, yeah, he he really wants to watch Star Wars Episode One over and over again, so he can watch Darth Maul. Okay, all right. And well. so the reason why he wants to listen to Duel of Fates is because it's Darth Maul. Well, he needs maybe he and needs to. Duel of Fates is like, in my opinion, yeah. the best piece of Star Wars music. Oh album. yeah. Okay, awesome. so <laughs> what I have to figure out with Austin though is. What my kids don't know is we have a large trunk full of Star Wars wow. figures in our basement <laughs> and when to bring that out so the well, kids can make their Stormtrooper clone well, army. Well, those are those are my action figures. <laughs> are you going to be like the dad in Lego movie? It's like. These aren't for kids. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm kind of like that. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I there's part of me that's that wants to let my kids play with all my Star Wars stuff, and then there's another part of me that wants them to be protected in the trunk that they're currently in, so that way my kids don't destroy them. Okay, yeah. all I'm going to say <laughs> is you let me and my mom with hot glue guns glue your action figures to little mirrors. What? For our wedding decorations. <laughs> yeah, but they're not currently glued on right now. Anyways, anyways, anyways. <laughs> Some might be. Anyway. Like, let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Je- Jekka, you said there was something else you wanted to talk about, too, before we hit the, oh, the yeah. nerd news. Well, the other nerdy thing that I did. So last Monday was my birthday. Super Congratulations. Fun. Happy birthday. Yes. And my brother, as a birthday gift, he took the board game Betrayal at House on the Hill, which is oh. like a house board game where you're you're building yeah. the haunted house as you're ex- you're exploring it. And when you get enough cards drawn, you can start what's called the haunt, which is where one character becomes a traitor and is trying to kill everyone else, and everyone else is trying to either escape or kill the traitor. Yeah. Well, my brother, he had this idea 
that he wanted to take Betrayal at House on the Hill, but do it Dungeons and Dragons style. Nice. And that's what he did. And it was really fun. Like, um, a lot of my family members played. We created our own characters, but we made them like pop culture characters. So I was <laughs> Raphael, which was oh, okay. Um, cool. And, and it was really funny because like D&D has expanded so much that they have a race of turtle people. So I was a barbarian turtle, which was great. So I could go into a rage, um, which I did a lot. It was so fun. Um, my dad chose to be Ethan Hunt. Um, my brother wanted to be a Jedi Knight and he named his character Obi-Wan Skywalker. Okay. And my, my brother, my, my sister didn't play, but my brother made her a Lara Croft character. And then one of my other friends who played, he was, um, Nog from Deep Space Nine. (laughs) Nice. And then my nice. mom, like, we talked her into joining, but she was like, I, I don't know what to be. And we're like, we'll make you a mama bear. So because she's very protective, that's her nickname for her is mama bear. So my dad made her this half, or not my dad, sorry, my brother made her a half elf cleric character. And, and yeah, and so we played Betrayal at House on the Hill, Dungeons and Dragons style, and it was so much fun. That's so awesome. Fun. So, what was Betrayal at House on the Hill? What was that so, um, in our top in our so 10 I think it, I think it was uh, so yeah our podcast episode I think it was one hundred and eight. We did our you know top ten quarantine board games. Oh yeah, yeah, like yeah. And I think I think House Haunted House on the Hill uh, or I, Betrayal. I betrayal. At- it has such a long name. I never remember it. You just call it <laughs> Betrayal. Betrayal at the House on the Haunted Hill of the Hill of the House. <laughs> Uh, anyways, it's fun. It's, it's a fun game. It's as fun as it is hard to pronounce. Um, and it, I think it was like number four. Mm-hmm. So, but anyways, we've got so much nerd news to cover. I think, I think, I think it's time to talk that nerd news. Many Bothans died to bring us this information. Ooh. And what is the news that should be on your nerd radar? Well, we might be getting another actor taking on the role of Joker in Matt Reeves' The Batman Trilogy. That's right, a I'm brand so new Joker. I'm so surprised. Hear well, my surprise. Well, uh, we all wait to see Matt Reeves' version of The Dark Knight uh, in Warner Brothers and DC's The Batman A new rumor has surfaced that fans will be interested in learning about, according to the Direct, a new version of the Joker (laughs) will be introduced at some point in the planned trilogy. What? What? What reboot is this of the Joker? I mean, how many reboots do we need within like the past like three years, four years? Well, I feel like, I mean... I, I should let you finish all the fun facts about this topic, Austin. But I just feel like like it's really hard to pull a Batman movie without the Joker because the Joker sure. is such a great antagonist to him. Yeah, you know? and and, it, and according to the site uh, and, and insider Daniel Rickman, Matt Reeves is planning to introduce a new Joker into this Batman trilogy. Reeves is planning for the Joker to appear in the second and third movies as one of the film's multiple villains. Uh, The new Joker will be referenced in the 2021's The Batman, 
and casting for the role has not yet begun. So this is a new version of the Joker, not Walking Phoenix, not Jared Leto's version of the of the villain. Uh, so I know, I know, I was one of these fans that was hoping for a crossover of Walking Phoenix back as the Joker. But but in this first film, we're going to be seeing Colin uh, Farrell playing the Penguin, Paul yeah. Deano playing the Riddler, Zoe Kravitz, the uh, daughter of. Uh, legendary rock star Lenny Kravitz. Uh, sh- his daughter is going to be Catwoman. And Joe Turturro is going to be Carmine Falcone, the big mob boss. And uh, Batman is currently scheduled to hit October 1st, 2021. So here is my recommendation for casting for the Joker. They should just get Margot Robbie to play the Joker. <laughs> I think that could be awesome. <laughs> She's she so she's Harley Quinn and the Joker. So she she be like <laughs> make, be she'd be like making out with herself or something. She's kissing a mirror. <laughs> no, no. Well, it'll be a new version of the Joker where he's schizophrenic. He's the Joker and Harley. Uh, that would be amazing. Crazy. Oh, that would be so perfect. I want to see this now. They no. should totally do it. Well. Is it crazy? Yes. But will they do it? No. You know they won't. <laughs> Hence, it was a suggestion. So so who do you think should be playing the Joker? I mean, we're, if, we're, if we're getting a brand new actor, a brand new version of the Joker, who should be playing the Joker? Keanu Reeves. Yeah. No. <laughs> Keanu Reeves? Awesome. Keanu Reeves is the Joker? You know, like, yeah. That'd be so cool. Why, why and would then, Keanu Reeves and, play and, the Joker? And then we need a Matrix movie and the next John Wick movie all coming out on the same day as him playing the Joker. Yeah. Yeah. I like this. I like this plan. This is a good plan. I approve it. Becca approved. How about, how about, you know, okay. Actually, actually... You know who should play the Joker. I can see his face. And as you fans of the show have listened many times. Who should play the Joker? Yes! Yes! No, he's too old. Don't it, care. He, he needs... I he literally needs, do not care. He needs to uh, lose a lot of weight, too. Uh, no, he doesn't. Yeah, he does. He's Jack Nicholson didn't. Yeah. Okay. No, no. You know who should play the Joker? It sh- it should be the dude that played the Green Goblin in the first Spider Man movie with Tobey Maguire. I can't. Oh, I, can, I, I, I can picture his face. I can't oh, picture his name. I'm having a brain fart. is coming but, to the rescue. But uh, on Amazon Prime, I believe it's on Amazon Prime. Uh, both uh, both the actor that's playing the Batman. Man, I'm having such a brain fart with names today. This doesn't surprise um, anybody. That's the, to the guy show that while. played the Green Goblin, his name was Willem Dafoe. Uh, Willem Dafoe. William Defoe, and, and then who's, who's playing Batman, the Twilight boy? What is his name? What is his name? I can't remember. Oh, oh Robert Patterson. Yes, Robert Patton, Patterson. Pattinson. Okay. Pattinson, thank you. Both of those actors have already been in a film together on, uh, I believe it's Amazon Prime. They're both stuck inside a lighthouse, oh. and they're trying to kill each other the whole entire movie. Ooh, yes, cool. yes. So they, so okay. they already have great chemistry. And they've been in a film together. I'm just going to point out that William Defoe is an older actor. Yes, but, he, but, but he's skinny and he's got a crazy okay, smile. I, I, I'm just going to say 
like they could not get a more perfect casting than William Defoe. Yeah, that's who that's who should play. Yeah, right? nevertheless, it should be that. Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Or, or or better yet, it really, really should be Margot. Robbie. All right, all right. So let's let's move on uh, because the Matrix Four, Keanu Reeves <laughs> and Carrie Ann Moss are talking about how the director Lena Wachowski is reinvigorating the franchise. The film is coming from Lena Wachowski, who co-wrote and co-directed the original trilogy with her sibling Lily. Lena is going at it alone this time, though. But during a recent interview with Empire Magazine, uh, Reeves, who plays Neo, and Moss, who played Trinity, Trinity, explained why they chose to return for The Matrix 4 and their confidence in Lena Wachowski. Reeves said, Lena Wachowski wrote a beautiful script and a wonderful story that resonated with me. That's the only reason to do it. To work with her again is just amazing. It's been really special. And the story has, I think, some meaningful things to say and that we can take some nourishment from. Moss added, I never thought that it would happen. It, it was never on my radar at all. When it was brought to me in the way that it was brought to me with incredible depth and all of the integrity and artistry that you can imagine, I was just like, this is a gift. It was just very exciting. So, but but here's the thing, though. If you remember, both Neo and Trinity, I guess you know they were killed off at the end of the Matrix Revolution. So it'll be interesting to see how they end up back back in this. You know, you could just leave it up to the Matrix. But uh, uh, the Matrix Four set to hit in theaters May twenty first of twenty twenty one. Okay, so I'm fairly sure it's Lana Wachowski. Why can't I say Lena? What's wrong with Lena? <laughs> because I'm fairly sure it's Lana. Well, I'm from the Midwest, and we pronounce our A's with a A, Lena. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to ask. So, um, Lana, Lana. Okay, anyway. Superman, anyway, we call her Lena. Now, now, we're um, like, I thought it was Wachowski brothers, but now I'm like, I didn't know they were sisters. And I'm like, okay. No, they're the Wachowski siblings. They they had uh, they both had uh, sex change surgery or gender. Oh, they both did gender. Yeah, because they're they're they were the Wachowski brothers back in the original days. Yeah, and, and then they were siblings. Yeah, they are siblings. They're well, brothers. I meant okay. So then they were called the Wachowski siblings, you but they both it, transitioned to call, to female. What? Yes. To no, they were what they were called the Wachowski brothers, and now they're both female. So I guess you say the Wachowski. Sisters. Okay. okay. That makes or we sense could just now. always call them siblings because I did not know about e- the second one. Either, I'll be honest with you. I don't care what gender the director is. I just care that the Matrix 4 is freaking sweet. That's what I want. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, and the cast looks great. Like uh, it says, you know, apparently Jada Pinkett Smith. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I'm gonna slaughter this one too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not just me messing up names. Second, Neil Patrick Harris, Jessica Henwick, and Jonathan Graff. Again, that was Yaha Abdul Mateen the second. Oh, I'm sorry if I slaughtered that. But yeah, like I was like, that sounds like a good cast right there. Doogie oh, Hauser. His name looks like Doogie, Yaya. No, no, no. Doogie Hauser. Doogie Hauser is gonna be in the Matrix. <laughs> yes. Neil Patrick Harris. Will he be the next Agent Smith? That oh, is- oh, yeah. Mind is blown. 
And with that, we're going to move on because we got so much to cover. Uh, Dune. Dune is coming out this December. Something to look forward to uh, once the movie theaters kind of open back up. But Dune's director of photography says Dune will be two movies, but each will feel like a standalone film. Fans have been super pumped about the upcoming big screen adaption of Dune. It's been confirmed that there will be two films to tell the story. But despite that, the film's director of photography, Greg Frazier, has said the movie will tell a complete story. During an interview with Collider, he explained, quote, it's a fully formed story in itself with places to go. It's a fully standalone epic film that people will get a lot out of when they see it. It was quite an adventure visually. It was a beautiful experience making it. The people involved with it, I was overwhelmed. Some of the actors, as well as being insanely talented actors, are just lovely, lovely people who I've come very close to since then. This is not Greg Frazier's first work in a sci-fi universe, because Frazier also worked on Rogue One, a Star Wars story, as well as The Mandalorian. And in an interview, Frazier went on to talk about shooting Dune uh, while filming The Mandalorian and changing things up from his work on Star Wars. Quote, I had to forget a lot of Star Wars when I was making Dune. It, it wasn't hard, though. Dennis, the director, and I spoke clearly about how the film should look and should feel and the format and this and that. So it was not hard to swerve and change lanes. There were some similarities like the desert. I mean, listen, ultimately, I'm positive George Lucas was inspired by Dune when he made Star Wars. I don't know if that's sacrilegious to talk about, but there are a lot of similarities in some areas. So you could tell he was definitely influenced by that. So I had to be careful doing both Dune and The Mandalorian and not to repeat myself. And also just for the sake of the movie, but for fun, I hate to do the same thing twice. So I'm excited to see what he does with Dune. I'm I'm just so excited from all the pictures I've seen. Yeah, they look great. I'm just thrilled to pieces um, for Dune to be remade. And I love that it's going to be two movies. Because I'm a little worried about that, I'll be I, honest. I, I'm not at all. Because there really are two phases in the book. Mm-hmm. And there's so much detail that anytime they try and make just one movie of the whole book, they leave so many plot holes because there's so much you miss because miss because of the details in the book. Okay. Well, well I, I'm just like I, this just makes me want to read the book more, and it's been on my list for a long time because I have a coworker who absolutely loves Dune, and he has this like old battered copy that he has with him in his office at work, and I'm like, I need to, I need to read it. Yeah, I, I haven't read it. So I didn't know that there was like a, a a natural dividing line in the book itself. But the reason why I was a little nervous by this is, um, you know, a, a, a lot of movie studios, like they commit to multiple movies. But if the movie doesn't quite meet expectations, they just kind of drop it. So, uh, I mean, they did that with Ender's Game. Um, you know, they kind of set up a little sequel. Uh, and, and I liked Ender's Game, but it didn't, it didn't perform well at the box office. And so we didn't get to see any of the other books turned into movies. So the difference here is this is Dune. Dune already has, uh, like, okay, Ender's Game has a following, but I don't think it's near the same as Dune. And 
Dune naturally splitting into two movies is going to be great. Ender's Game really doesn't have a following so much after the first book. No one really likes the sequels, so it's kind of okay they didn't make sequels of it. Yeah, and the thing about Ender's Game too, like, because I saw the, I loved the book, and I saw the movie, and I was kind of, the movie was like, okay, but the movie was, like, you know, the book is so predominantly them doing these battles against other teams, and you can't, like, it, it's, it was just, I don't know. They, they, I'm getting they off topic, a, but, you know. They weren't able to replicate it in the movie as amazing as it was in the book, and that was yeah. the problem. And that was the thing, like, it was so, it is crazy because, like, it was so paramount, these little, these, like, drills that the teams would do against each other. It was so paramount to what eventually happened, but they, like, couldn't replicate that in the movie. Like, I just remember, like, the movie, it just felt rushed, and then they got to the part where he was, like, elite, like, you know, the head person and all that. I was like, this is interesting, but yeah. No, yeah, well, it uh, anyways, so yeah. I was going to say, um, we should probably move on. Austin <laughs> <laughs> uh, doesn't have much to say about Dune. Okay, I will say this about Dune okay, real quick because yeah. I wanted to Go say this. Yeah, say it. So my grandfather hated science fiction books. And my brother challenged him and got him to read Dune. And my, my grandfather was so impressed with Dune that he actually – told my brother that he had no idea that science fiction books could be so well written so well written and have so much depth because dune has incredible depth now that's well, impressive when you get someone that's not into that genre saying they liked that one book that's impressive yeah well the movie has a lot to live up to it does all right, moving on, <laughs> because this this next one is going to make you laugh, okay? All right, Godzilla vs. Kong will be rated PG-13, and uh, King Kong just might have a beard. <laughs> That's right, you, you heard that right. He might have a beard in the movie. So Legendary Pictures, Godzilla vs. Kong, has received an official PG-13 rating from the MPAA for intense sequence of creature violence slash destruction in brief language. <laughs> this this probably surprises no one. But, uh, but what is surprising is that a tie-in comic for the film is being released, and the artwork from the comic is showing King Kong with kind of a beard. Uh, and... Uh, you know, Adam Wingard is directing the film, and it's the fourth movie in the Legendary's monster universe, which also consists of 2004's Godzilla, 2017's Kong Skull Island, and 2019's Godzilla King of the Monsters. Is this movie coming out in November? Oh, November. November. <laughs> 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 So this next movie will see the two iconic giant monsters clash amid a human conspiracy to wipe out the giant monsters for good. Here's the previously released synopsis. In a time when monsters walk the earth, humanity's fight for its future sets Godzilla and bearded King Kong <laughs> on a collision course that will see the two most powerful forces of nature on the planet collide in a spectacular battle for the ages as monarch embarks on a perilous mission into uncertain terrain and un 
Earth's clues to the Titans' origins. A human conspiracy threatens to wipe the creatures, both good and bad, from the face of the Earth forever. But yeah, I mean, I mean, like the the artwork, you know, it basically like shows like all the King Kong's like jawline hair is just like really long, and I mean, it it kind of. I mean, I can see why people call it a beard, but it it might work, but it might also look weird. Like it's like an upside down mullet for for a, go- for a gorilla. He has him stroking it. He's got to stroke it as he thinks about how to <laughs> yeah. party on the face, business on top. Well, oh yes. <laughs> why 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 is his hair around his cheek, chin, and neck area so long compared? To what's on top. Like, have you ever seen any gorilla with a beard before? As I said, party on the face, business <laughs> on top. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Well, you know, in one of the pictures, there is a helicopter. Maybe King Kong will use the helicopter as some sort of, like, uh, uh, electric razor. Razor, Ooh. and he just, like, kind of shaves it down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, shaves it down a little bit. <laughs> So that way he's presentable on the big screen. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, uh, King Kong <laughs> might have a beard in Godzilla vs. Kong. We'll, we'll see how well that turns out. But moving on, uh, Jar Jar Binks actor and host of Star Wars Jedi Temple Challenge, Ahmed Best, says he's open to returning as Jar Jar Binks. Jar 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 Jar. So, so obviously, Jar Jar Binks was not the best received character in the Star Wars franchise when Episode One came out, and the actor who played him, Ahmed Best, got a lot of crap from fans. And the backlash this character received uh, was of epic proportions. And and Best has admitted that the backlash affected him both emotionally and psychologically. So it, you know, it wasn't really his fault. You know, he was trying to bring, you know, the character to life as George Lucas, you know, wanted him to. But, you know, it's been rumored that Jar Jar could return in Disney Plus's upcoming Obi-Wan yes. Kenobi series. And there was yes. a surprisingly... Amanda's a really of, excited about this. <laughs> well, you know, when that when that rumor kind of hit the internet, there was a surprising a lot of positive feedback. Uh, and the question is, you know, would Ahmed Best come back to reprise the role after everything he went through. So so the rumors, the rumor came out, the fans were like, yeah, let's do it. So would Ahmed Best, you know, return? Well, he took fans by surprise recently when he returned, or when he took to Twitter to say, I would return as Jar Jar Binks, but it really depends on the story, end quote. So as, as for what Jar Jar, you know, has been doing in the franchise, you know, the Star Wars Aftermath novels, which are set between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens, explains that Jar Jar had become a street clown on Naboo, but the Obi-Wan Kenobi TV series would obviously be set between episodes four and five. So, so you know, when Best appeared at Star Wars Celebration in Chicago last year, he was met with a standing ovation, and now he's hosting uh, the Disney Plus game show Jedi T- Temple Challenge as Jedi Master Kellerin Beck, I think is how you pronounce his name. You know, I got some beef real quick with Jedi Temple Challenge. They said it was going to come out June 3rd, and I've been looking for it, and I haven't seen it anywhere. So maybe I'm just looking in the wrong spots, but I don't know. What do you guys think? Going on. Give them some time. <laughs> Should Jar Jar 
literally return? So my, my kids love Jar Jar and they really love the Jar Jar Binks song. I'm trying to remember, I don't remember who yeah. created it, but they love that song. <laughs> and I honestly love Obi-Wan's face every time he has to deal with Jar Jar. Even in so the this Clone Wars, a lot of fun. Even in the Clone Wars TV series, although there were a couple episodes with Jar Jar in the Clone Wars that I was like, he's actually a really cool character in this storyline. <laughs> so I don't blame Ahmed Best for being like, it depends on the story. Because I'm like, I feel like in the Clone Wars, the story, like there's one story where it was, there was like a group, a, a nation that were kind that were kind of force wielders. Like they don't like the Jedi, but they, they like follow the force too, but they didn't like the Jedi path. And they would only trust Jar Jar. Like they didn't trust Mace Windu. Uh. And I really liked that because Jar Jar like, was actually a really cool character. And then I was like, where was this guy? Like, I like this Jar Jar. The side of Jar Jar is really cool. Like, he was very confident. It was awesome. Yeah, and you got to feel for Ahmed best because, yeah. I mean, when Star Wars Episode One came out, it was in 1999, kind of like the birth of, like, the crazy internet. Let's, like, really go at it trolling. And where did all those internet trolls in the early days focus on? They focused on Jar Jar Binks. Yeah. So, so obviously, Ahmed Best, the actor, didn't deserve any of that backlash. But I like making fun of Jar Jar, but at the same time, I really enjoy Jar Jar. So, I I really feel that Ahmed Best should not have been given that much toxicness for his role. And I love hearing the story about how he created a lot of the mannerisms of Jar Jar Binks based on his own life experiences. Well, well. George Lucas has sh- has said and shown pictures of uh, Jar Jar Binks next to Goofy, saying that uh, the Goofy character, you know, that everybody knows in in Disney films, uh, was basically the inspiration for Jar Jar Binks. So, and you can kind of see it. Yeah, you know? yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you really can. Yeah, you look at it from that way. All right, moving on. Apparently, the season finale for The Walking Dead will not disappoint. And, uh, you know, we've been waiting for some time now to watch the season finale for the hit AMC show, The Walking Dead. With the timing of the pandemic, the editors and visual effects artists artists, uh, were able to finish two episodes leading up to the finale in time. But fans have had to sit tight until they could get back in the studio to wow us with a finale to an incredible season and the show's second half of the season has been packed with action, drama, and a story that has shot forward in exciting ways. But if you have any doubt about the season finale, the episode's director, Greg Nicotero, I think I said pronounced Nicotero. That right, assured fans in a discussion with fandom that the finale will not disappoint. Quote, he says, it's one of my favorite episodes of the season. What's great about our show and what Angela Kang, the showrunner, has done so well, is really kept keeping the momentum of the story moving forward. Where we last left everyone was that Beta and the Horde was surrounding the tower, and the finale picks up right where we left off. Uh, he went on to talk about where we left off and what, episode, what the episode will address. Quote, uh, there's a lot of character storylines that are addressed. You get a little bit of information here, 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 and you want to end that chapter and start the next chapter in the finale. 
Uh, we address lots of stuff with Daryl, lots of stuff with Negan, lots of stuff with Beta, lots of stuff with Carol. I think it's already been revealed that Maggie's return is in the finale, and it tees up so well for season 11 that it's a little agonizing for me to not be, to be able to talk about it because the last two minutes of the finale, people's jaws are just going to drop. That's a, that's a pretty uh, crazy and exciting promise. Uh, showrunner Angela Kang already revealed that the finale would include a cliffhanger. So this doubles down on that promise. Uh, we still don't have word on when the final episode will air, but we will, we will know soon. It's a bummer that, you know, all these different shows have been, uh, you know, put off because of the, the, the pandemic. Uh, it, but you know, it's cool that we did get the last two episodes. But it is a bummer that Hollywood's had to stall out so much. I I have to say that for me, I just haven't been able to keep up with The Walking Dead for a very long time. <laughs> so I've kind of been, eh. It's yeah, been good. I, I've only seen the first episode, and that was because, like, <laughs> we... so. My family did this zombie binge. Like it was a short zombie binge, I'll say. Like we watched World War Z, then we watched Zombie Land, and then we kept hearing about Walking Dead. So we watched the first episode of Walking Dead, and that kind of did it in for us. We were kind of like, oh, we can't handle it anymore. Like I was, I, I'm not a big <laughs> horror person. Like Zombie Land, I like Zombie Land because I was like, okay, I could survive a zombie apocalypse with these rules. <laughs> like I feel better. I was always like. Nope, zombie apocalypse. I'm first one dead. Like I'm the zombie eating. Like, I wouldn't survive. But then watching Zombieland, I was like, I could survive. Walking so, Dead kind of like detracted that. So I was so Walking Dead was like, oh, over the top. I was like, okay, I can't handle this. We're we're not okay. doing this. So my problem with the Walking Dead is I don't even remember what season it was, but at one point they had two young girls that they were trying to protect it and was it, like season seven maybe and i don't think it was that i think it was yeah i think it was like season it was, it was like season, season four no 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 okay anyway so there were two young girls and spoiler if you haven't gotten there um but one of the girls becomes obsessed with zombies and that zombies are alive so she kills her sister for her sister to turn into a zombie so she can prove that the zombies are alive because she's just so psychotic. But they're both really, really young girls. They're no, children. I, I, don't, I don't think you're remembering that right. Oh, but she killed her sister. No, no. Yes, she killed her sister and no. then they had to kill her. And oh, I, that that I remember. I don't remember her killing her sister. Yeah, she killed her sister, and I, I was just—I was done. I don't. Know. I was done. I couldn't handle it. The oh, uh, yeah, I see. I couldn't even handle the first episode when the sheriff wakes up and then he finds a horse, rides into town, gets in the tank, and the horse gets eaten. I was just like, okay, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no more. But I did learn this from watching all three of those movies that if there is a zombie apocalypse, you just straight up avoid the cities. You don't go to the cities. Instead, you find some trading post off the side of the road and you smash snow globes. So that's why. The, <laughs> the, the important thing, though, is that's only at the very beginning of the zombie apocalypse. Because once you get to a certain point in the zombie apocalypse, you have marauding bands that'll come and take all your stuff. Why do you, why do you smash snow globes? So it's, like in, it's in zombie land. They like go into this store and there's yeah. no one there. 
and they just start trashing it. And it's like this, like uh, it's a Native American, like it's, it's uh, the theme of it is like Native American kind of thing. So they have all these like snow globes, crystalline stuff, and they just start smashing everything. And like that. Some like early detection warning system. They hear the crunching or something. No, No, they're just just doing it for fun. It's a very, it's a very soothing scene that it's just like, I would love to do senseless, like that kind of senseless description. (laughs) Like I really like just watching them do it. You're just like, I want to do that. Just like, just smash glass stuff for no reason. Like, it's a great Hmm. scene. It's like a great scene. (laughs) Well, moving on, uh, Pedro Pascal will be in the Mandalorian armor for more of season two instead of his stuntmen who were in the armor for most of season one. Most Mandalorian fans don't realize this, but most of the time that the Mandalorian was on the screen, it was not Pedro Pascal under the helmet. You saw his face when he took off the helmet, and you hear his voice when the Mandalorian talks, but usually he isn't the person inside the armor. For most of the Mandalorian season one stunt performers, Brendan Wayne, who happens to be the grandson of John Wayne, and Latif Crowder are the people inside the Mando's armor. Uh, not just during the stunts, but in most every scene of the show. However, uh, it seems that may change in The Mandalorian Season 2 because rumors are circulating that Pedro Pascal will be spending more time in the armor instead of relying on stuntmen to handle the armor work. The fact that Pedro hasn't been in the armor too much for Season 1 shouldn't really be too much of a surprise. I mean, Star Wars has a long history of having one actor in the armor and a different actor voicing the character. Uh, I mean, just look at Darth Vader as uh, David Prowse was in the armor while James Earl Jones voiced the character. But some fan sites are speculating that the reason Pedro uh, will be in the armor more often is because apparently there are some other rumors saying that he's going to be taking off the helmet more frequently or perhaps altogether that could be really interesting um one of my concerns about him being in the armor more is both the stuntmen did such amazing body work that they were able to express emotion without facial expression and without voice it's very and true. yes so yeah. both of those stuntmen deserve accolades for the work that they did yeah, they do because I thought that would had all been Pedro Pascal, but when I heard it was the stuntman, I'm like, they need to be recognized for their work because so many people complimented the work of the Mandalorian on how they were able to get that emotion expressed without any obvious, any of our normal signs of emotion, which is voice and facial expression. And so I'm worried, can Pedro Pascal keep up that work that these two other men had been doing? I yeah, think a, he will. That's a very valid point because yeah, I just barely rewatched the Mandalorian and that was the thing I really noticed was the nonverbal expressions that you could still know when he was just like, "Oh gosh, what's happening now?" kind of thing. But yeah. Well, I I think he will. I mean, he's he's he's, he's an actor and he he could do well, but that's that's not to take anything away from uh Brendan Wayne and the other guy. I mean, they did Latif. They did a great job, absolutely. And it, it kind of makes sense. I mean, 
it's kind of cool to think of because this is this is like the straight the straight up space western and here we have brendan wayne the grandson of john wayne uh doing the space western um but i think it'll be fine but what i'm curious about is this whole like uh the mando not having his helmet on all the time now is is this no longer the way i well, mean <laughs> are we going to have sabine are we going to have more interaction with more van mandalorians which may not be as extreme as the mandalorians he was with yeah, yeah that's the thing i like after watching clone wars and star wars rebels and and then re-watching the mandalorian i was just like i want to know how mandalore fell because like from like there's all these i mean like in the rebels Sabine and her family, they started to try to take Mandalore back from the Empire. But then Sabine yeah. left them to go help the rebels. So and then we next thing we know, like Sabine is um like she's, you know, after Ezra leaves with the space whales, which oh, I loved the space whales. Side note, <laughs> they were like awesome. <laughs> I was like, space whales. <laughs> Anyways. Um, and then she and Ahsoka are like gonna go find Ezra, you know. So I'm just like, I want to know what happened to Mandalore, and sure. I, and and the whole thing about the helmets and taking them off. It's like, where did that start? Because it, before, like Sabine was taking her helmet off all the time. Yeah, you know, even in like in front of like she would wear it when they were all on missions, but when she was among her friends, it came off. Whereas, um, yeah, yeah, you know. So I'm like, oh, My- I want to know more behind that. My my theory uh, is that some something happened on Mandalore that that brought disgrace to a lot of people, the the Mandalorians, and maybe their way of of uh, retribution or, or or penance might be a better word um, is they have to keep their helmets on. Um, like I'm I'm almost thinking like I'm thinking of like uh, Japanese officers in World War Two that. Uh, would significantly lose fight and they would commit suicide through mm. ritual sabuku. Yeah. You know, seppuku. And, yeah, it's seppuku. Seppuku. <laughs> Anyways, but I'm thinking like it's it, the helmet might, the helmet being on all the while, all the time might be some sort of penance that the Mandalorian culture has for certain situations. Um, and so maybe in some way, shape or form, uh, we'll, we'll see, we'll, we'll learn more about that. Um, but we'll have to wait till season two comes out, which by the way, John Favreau has said is on track to be released on its normal date, uh, in, in October. So so nothing, uh, no COVID-19 slip paps, uh, there. So I can have it. Star Wars TV show to binge watch. Yeah, <laughs> they're not like, going to let you binge watch it though. <laughs> I know yeah. a week at a time, <laughs> and then I so, can binge watch it. But I have some sad news though. Because m- moving on, some sad news. We've been talking about this a lot for many, many podcasts uh, about Hollywood and movie theaters uh, and and the effects of COVID nineteen on it, but uh, on, on on the industry. Uh, AMC Theaters has released a statement saying that they have substantial doubt that they can stay in business. Uh, AMC Theaters and all movie theaters, for that matter, uh, knew early on that the closures they faced from the COVID-19 pandemic were going to be devastating. And now as public places 
are looking forward to slowly reopening with new protocols in place. AMC, one of the nation's largest movie theater chains, has spoken out about the future of the company, citing serious doubt that it can remain in business. Uh, The theater chain expects to have a loss in the range of $2.1 billion and $2.4 billion in the first quarter. Uh, The company said, we are generating effectively no revenue. Even if governmental operating restrictions are lifted in certain jurisdictions, distributors may delay the release of new films until such time that the opening restrictions are eased more broadly domestically and internationally, which may further limit our operations. We believe we have the cash resources to reopen our theaters and resume our operations this summer or later. Our liquidity needs thereafter will depend upon, will depend among other things on the timing of a full resumption of operations, the timing of movie releases, and our ability to generate revenue. You know, films that theaters were counting on for revenue were either released digitally or pushed back pretty far to ensure that they wouldn't have to reschedule again. So a lot of theaters are left with little to nothing to show during these reopenings. So, so you know, AMC might be gone. Okay, so frankly, some of the things that they could have done, which could have been great, thinking back, there are a lot of AMCs, well, not maybe a lot, but there's a few AMCs that do have restaurants in them. And I could just imagine if they had sold like theater food that you could pick up and a digital movie, like people would have gone to do that. A lot of people were going out and supporting businesses and buying food from them. So that way they wouldn't go under and AMC did nothing. I'm pretty sure they did sell popcorn curbside popcorn so in utah our big theater chain is megaplex and i remember getting emails from them saying like come pick up your popcorn for movie night kind of thing um and so i was like oh they must have figured out a way because yeah like the megaplex theaters they would have like cold stone inside of them they usually were near a lot of other restaurants but they had like you could buy a hamburger (laughs) meal kind of thing so like I think well, they were trying to do that was like sell their food. Yeah, like, and and that was something food. that AMC could have done. I haven't seen anything of AMC doing that. Or even Regal doing that. But Regal seems to be in a better place than AMC. Have we heard anything about Amazon buying AMC? No, just just those initial reports that Amazon was looking at buying AMC. You I mean, know, if if I had to make a prediction, I think that is going to happen. Yeah. I th- <laughs> And then it would be the Amazon movie company. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it, it, it's got like, they've got the perfect initials for Amazon. Yeah. It, AMC. It's, it's so perfect. Yeah. We don't well, want Amazon taking over more of the world though. <laughs> well, <laughs> true. There, there is some complaints and some people calling for, uh, calling that Amazon's a monopoly and to break it up. So... Amazon might be concerned about buying up any more companies well, if they're going to be hit with monopoly. Maybe you maybe well, okay. Amazon, Netflix, all of them want to get Oscar nominations, but they have to have movie theater playing time. So maybe if AMC is bought by Amazon, 
they'd be purchased for the per uh, for the purpose of you know theater releases theater releases and, and obviously you know making money as a business yeah. but but the other thing is you know maybe your Amazon Prime membership would be like all these different mm. uh, movie theater chains that were kind of offering those memberships where you can go see so many movies in the theaters. Maybe maybe your Amazon Prime membership would get you into the theater too. No, I think it would be a different membership with Amazon, kind of like the Kindle Unlimited. Yeah. Okay. Or like Audible. It might be like Kindle AMC Unlimited. Audible. Yeah. The AMC Prime membership. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, let's talk a little uh, Total Recall. We had our honeymoon on Alderaan. Good thing we took pictures, huh? <laughs> Shut up, Wesley. You have no idea what you're dealing with. Uh, Shakespeare in the Park. And that's what means. It is time for our Rewind! Hey, guess what I got, Amanda? You ready for this? Are you ready for this? I, I, I'm, I'm not quite sure. Oh boy! Can you hear it? Can you hear this? <laughs> this is the opening theme song to Total Recall, playing in the background. <clears throat> I, I, I'm, I'm giving Austin a dark look. No, right no, no, now. no! Listen to this. This screams. 80s action awesomeness testosterone muscles Sorry, sweat and and deep austrian accents get to the chopper <laughs> Actually, that's not in this film anyways i love i love this song so much i have to admit so back Back in my bachelor days, I would have, uh, I, I love falling asleep on the couch more so than my bed. Uh, I, I just loved falling asleep on the couch, and I had certain movies that I would just watch, and, and certain documentaries that I had watched that I loved falling asleep to. And, and normally, if you fall asleep in the middle of a movie, that's a bad thing. But for me, personally, I had a select, you know, number of films and, and documentaries that I love falling asleep to over and over again and to me that was like the ultimate like enjoyment <laughs> and so Total Recall was on that list of movies oh my uh, gosh. and so I loved I loved falling asleep to that uh, to this theme song and all sorts of stuff so anyways I'll turn that off now because <laughs> Amanda, Amanda's telling me to like knock it off <laughs> she's like <"Nah>, nope <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, Total Recall. So, for me, like what I remember most from Total Recall and my parents had uh, let me preface this, my parents had no limit on when I could watch any movie. Okay. So, I remember At what age did you watch Total Recall? Probably 7 or 8. 7 or 8 years old? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Why my parents did... paid no attention to what I was watching. They really didn't. Well, how come I didn't? How, well, how come I? Uh, we have kids that are seven and eight. And yeah, nine. no. <laughs> yeah, no. That's, that's a joke. That's a joke. <laughs> anyway, so 
really what I remember from my first time watching Total Recall was just the red everywhere. Yes. Yeah. That's- and their eyes popping out of their yeah. faces. Apparently that those were uh, uh, puppets. Those are puppets <laughs> I read online. Yeah, those are some pretty detailed, crazy puppets. But I mean, you have to remember, I mean, this this film came out in uh, June 1990. I mean, they didn't have C- a lot of CGI special effects budgets that we have for today's films. There's there's actually one scene. I, I, I found out that there's actually one scene of CGI in this film. Everything else is all practical, uh, you know, with uh, practical Good effects. School effects. Yeah, old, yeah, matte paintings and and miniatures and like like all sorts of crazy stuff. But um, but you know, real quick before we jump into this, I just I I, I want to give a shout out to all the super nerds who have subscribed to the podcast. You, we really really appreciate you guys. Help us get the word out. Please tell a friend. Uh, about the podcast and i want to invite you if you've made it this far to subscribe if you haven't already come on we we, we want to nerd out with you each week but anyways back to total recall um apparently this was a this was based on a book uh a 1966 short story by philip k dix called we can remember it for you wholesale (laughs) <laughs> and and this is the crazy thing because this movie came out in 1990 but this film started in uh they they started to actually write and adapt that short story into a film back in 1976 and it was in development it started in development in 1980 but it was just stuck in endless development over and over and it was past from one director to the next to the next, and the lead actor kept changing. Apparently, at one point, Richard Dreyfus was going to be the leading actor that was going to play it, Quaid it, and it Hauser. Would not have gone over as well. I don't think. Oh, it would have gone no. as well. But 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 check this out. This this is why they're looking at somebody like Richard Dreyfus because originally in the screen uh, in the screenplay, uh, Hauser or, or Quaid, you know. Mm-hmm. The main character, he was mm-hmm. going to be an accountant. So having somebody like Richard Dreyfus would, you know, who's kind of nerdy, would, yeah, it'd make more sense. But as soon as Arnold got his teeth sunk into this project, they had they had to change it to a construction worker because okay, an accountant didn't, didn't fit Arnold's personality. And, and you got to get those muscles in there when he's doing the jackhammer and his muscles are going blah, 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 blah. <laughs> madliness, eighties action muscles, <laughs> you know. So, so anyways, the the thing I love about this film is that it is way more deep than a traditional 80s action film because there's so much to it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember like, cause when I watched Total Recall, I was doing that like 80s action movie binge. Like I was watching Terminator. I was watching Predator. I watched True Lies. In a way I kind of did like, covered the basis of Arnold Schwarzenegger's action movies and then other action 80s action movies kind of thing and so like but I remember really liking Total Recall like it was just so oh, different yeah. um and I'll admit yeah. like I had to kind of re re like look up on Wikipedia the plot line because it had been so long since I've seen it and like Amanda I just remember a lot of red I remember eyes popping out you know kind of thing like when they're exposed to the Martian atmosphere 
But yeah, I remember really liking the movie. Like anytime. <laughs> Sorry, I recorded Arnold screaming when he's when he's having his eyes pop out. Let's listen, let's listen to it again. It's so funny. Anyways, anyways, I figured I, I figured every once in a while I would interrupt us with Arnold screaming. I thought it'd be funny. You got a clip from the movie. Oh yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, I I remember the first time I saw that film. Uh, the film I. I like I, I had, I had literally no idea what this film was about at all. Um, I just knew it had Arnold Schwarzenegger in it, and I liked Arnold Schwarzenegger action films. Uh, and and in that first scene, when when he's on Mars and he and he's in his spacesuit and he trips and he falls and breaks the glass on his spacesuit and his eyes start popping out. Holy moly, man! That was some crazy stuff back in the day. Like like. You're asking yourself, like, how in the world did they do that? Um, so for me, it's hard watching it now because of the special effects. Like, it, it, it's hard watching. But at the same time, it was so cutting edge for the time. Oh, yeah. But at this, I remember not liking the red as a kid, and I still don't like the red feature. I get why they did it, but it was so annoying. Well, you know, a lot, a lot of people don't realize this either, but Total Recall... When it was made, uh, it was actually like the most, like one of the most expensive films ever made at the time. And, and get this, this is so funny compared to today's movie budgets. But back in 1990, when this movie was released, it had a budget of $65 million, roughly. Oh. And, and it was one of the most expensive movies ever made. And it, it, but it ended up grossing something like worldwide around like $262 million. So, I mean, it, it more than made its money back. But, uh, yeah, $65 million that's for a movie. That is so I know. Bad. That's crazy. That is crazy. That is. But, um, yeah, you know, the, the, the film really starts out uh, – with this scene right here, let, let's, let's revisit it. Some of our options. No options. <laughs> Whatever you say. Could I ask you just one question, though? What is it that is exactly the same about every single vacation you have ever taken? I give up. You. You're the same. No matter where you go, there you are. It's always the same old you. Let me suggest that you take a vacation from yourself. I know, it sounds wild. It is the latest thing in travel. We call it the ego trip. No, I'm not interested in that. You're going to love this, Doug. We offer you a choice of alternate identities during your trip. I'm, face it, why go to Mars as a tourist when you can go as a playboy or a famous jock or... Secret agent. How much is that? Ah, let me tantalize you. You are a top operative, back under deep cover on your most important mission. People are trying to kill you left and right. You meet this beautiful, exotic woman. Come on. I don't want to spoil it for you, Doug, but you rest assured, by the time the trip is over, you get the girl, kill the bad guys, and save the entire planet. Now you tell me, isn't that worth a measly 300 credits? <laughs> now, let's be honest. Let's be honest. That is exactly what happened in the movie. It is. Yeah, it really and, is. And I have to say, like, they're go. So, 
spoiler. Oh yeah, it's all spoilers at this point. Okay, so it's them, been out for thirty years. <laughs> them going from breaking out of being held captive to giving oxygen to the entire planet of Mars in less than an hour is really kind of it, oh. it strains belief. Well, okay, okay. So you're you're jumping to the end of the movie already. Well, no, I was just. I'm, but but you know, but but that's what has. What what I want to know, and and I and and I want your guys' opinion is like, was this a dream, or did this actually happen? Like everything happened. What, because because in that clip, we hear him basically reveal what's going to happen in throughout the entire movie. Yes, yes, he did. And. Uh, so so so, what is it? What do you guys think? Was it was it true? Did it happen, or was it all a dream? And... I would be to. I would hate to be his wife if it was all a dream, <laughs> right? Why eight years of marriage, and all of a sudden your husband thinks you're trying to kill him and is paranoid and delusional because he killed you in the memory. Okay, well, <laughs> but you know, what one thing I noticed, Amanda. Was usually when we watch movies, you might be playing with your playing on your phone quite a bit. Uh, I noticed that you were actually like pretty glued to the the movie the whole time. Okay, yesterday. I I when we do movies for podcasting, uh-huh. I actually do try and keep my phone down so I can look okay. for details to talk about okay. in the podcast. Well, okay. Well, I thought maybe. Did, I I took that as you were actually way into the movie more so than. Than I thought you would be. No. Oh. <laughs> no. I, I I have a hard time watching it because of all the red. And I don't like watching it. And so I made myself focus more so I would make sure I got details. Hmm. Well. And I do agree with the red. It makes sense for the movie. Are, are you talking about like a red tint? What are you talking about? Yeah, they red? totally made like everything with a red no. tint. Yeah, they're like... I, I I do recall there being a lot of red. I don't like. I feel like is when there were scenes outside, there was a red tint. Anything on Mars, well, yeah, has Mars. a red tint. Yeah. Well, that's that's obvious, and that's like half the movie. Well, well, they have they have all the the real deep red in the opening credits during the the song and all that. Yeah. So I I thought that's just, just, I thought that's what you're talking about. No, I'm talking about (laughs) when they're actually like acting and everything's kind of red. You know, know, what what I loved about the film is that, yeah, it's an action film, but the whole entire time, it's like this mind bending, uh, you know, roller coaster of, is it the, is it a dream? Is it not a dream? And so, you know, we get, we get, um, I think the first I think the first roller coaster event is when he finally goes back and he visits his uh wife and he, and he's telling her, you know, I I you know, people tried to kill me. I I killed them, all sorts of stuff. And then he mentions recall and she's like, "You went to those brain butchers?" No, come on, Doug. This is this didn't really happen. And so so now you're immediately thinking, "Well, maybe it didn't happen." But then he shows his hands and Maybe it did happen, <laughs> you know. So it's it's all back and forth. So and then and then there's the other scene where 
uh, the guy knocks on his like hotel door. That was the most epic mind twist. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and I love how it, it he's all going. Well, the, I'm I'm a figment of your imagination. Go ahead, shoot me. You you nothing's gonna happen. I'm not really here. And the longer he waits, the more the sweat builds until you <laughs> see that sweat drip, and then he just shoots the guy. Yeah. And at that point, he's he 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 either did the right thing or he's completely screwed. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, it's, but we don't. So I was. But we don't know. Go for it, Jacob. So it's so funny because as I was rereading Total Recall, and and your question too about like was it a dream or was it reality at the very end? I was just like, man, this is like. So when Inception came out, I was super jealous of that movie because as a writer watching that movie about dreams, I was like, oh my gosh, this is brilliant. Why didn't I think of that <laughs> kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, and like, as I was just reviewing the plot synopsis and stuff for Total Recall, um, I was just like, there's a lot of stuff that kind of reminded me of Inception. And I was like, I wonder if there is a little bit of inspiration used from Total Recall in um, Inception, you know? Well, maybe maybe from like the main event, but you know, it was just like, like I just, I mean, well, Inception was more streamlined because you were like, okay, we know that, like they're in the dream. It's just till towards the end, it's like, is he still dreaming or not, kind of thing. But this, I do remember Total Recall. Like that's what I liked about it was that back and forth. That like, is it real? Is it not real? Like who's real? Who's like, what's really happening? Like it was really intense. I think Total Recall inspired a lot of other films. If you look at The Matrix and what is real and what is not based on what they're feeding into your mind, that really, as I watched Total Recall, I really thought about how The Matrix was, to me, could not have been, it had to have been inspired by Total Recall. Maybe not entirely. But I think at least part of it, the Wachowski sisters saw it and were like, and led them further along in their process. Well, maybe maybe not Total Recall, uh, but but maybe the book that Total Recall was based on, which is, you know, we can remember it for you wholesale. I mean, I do I do remember uh, a good long while back hearing uh, about multiple movies being. Uh, influenced by that short story, um, mm-hmm. and so so maybe I mean I, I don't I don't know what the answer is I I, I I I'm just going off memory but but maybe they're so maybe they're similar in that mind bending trip <laughs> that roller coaster because they're all based on some additional source material but that 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 is what is crazy about this film though is like. You know, you you watch the Matrix and and you walk out of that theater going, uh, <laughs> "Am I in the Matrix, or <laughs> yeah, or yeah. is this real?" You know, and 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 these and and you had you have the, the same thing with uh, Inception. You have the same thing with Total Recall. I mean, there's something really special about these movies that like get you for a moment doubting, like what what really happened. What did is did what did what you see really happen, or or was it something else completely? Um, and, and Total Recall, uh, did it wonderfully, but, but, you know, here's the crazy thing. Cause like, you know, we could debate, did it really happen or did it not happen? And, and what, and, and I don't, 
and, and that's what's so great about the film is that you can watch the whole film and you can find a lot of evidence for it being a dream and you can find a lot of evidence for maybe it being real. It was really happening. And and there's no right or wrong way to, to watch the film. It's enjoyable from both perspectives. And uh, the final scene, which fades to white, was left apparently intentionally ambiguous by the director. So people would wonder if everything was a dream or not. Because the direct this is this is the interesting thing. The director in other interviews has stated that he believes the film is a dream. So it leaves Arnold Schwarzenegger's character screwed. <laughs> yeah. But Arnold Schwarzenegger himself believes the film was real. It was it was reality. And and so that's so awesome that both the, the main character and the director So the the main actor. The main, yeah, the main actor and the and the director couldn't necessarily come to any conclusion on if it was real or not. And and it plays out so well. It it doesn't it doesn't matter. So I think it's amazing that they did it both ways. So that way you could look at it both ways. And that's just fantastic. Um, did, did you have a favorite scene from the movie or something that really stood out to you? Any, uh, anything? Honestly, I really liked anytime he was dealing with the woman who was supposed to be his wife. The uh, Sharon Stone? Yes. Anytime they were acting together, it really, it it really made the scene fun because it was she's trying to be all loving and then she's trying to kill him all at once. <laughs> it's like a Mister and Mrs. Smith, <laughs> and, and I think Sharon Stone did a fantastic job in it. Yeah, she did. She did. Um, so, so were you? Te- so, so you're on team. Uh- Fake wife, not uh, team uh, prostitute lady. <laughs> Honestly, I really want it to be a dream because when he gets home, that would be epic. Well, I don't think he'll get home if it was a dream because now he's stuck in like permanent uh, psychosis or whatever they're saying. He's lobotomized. Oh, be in there, yeah, yeah, and 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 that that's what I find so crazy about this film is that. We watched this whole story play out exactly as the 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 recall salesman said it will. Um, and then at the very end of the movie, it's not technically a win. <laughs> but it was a, but it was an awesome story. It was an awesome journey the whole way through. Uh, hey, you know you know what I found out? Uh, you know that Johnny cab? Um, you know, the uh, apparently, the doctor from Star Trek Voyager, the doctor, the doctor voiced <laughs> voiced the Johnny Cab robot, and, and and if you look, excuse me, if you look at the Johnny Cab robot, it actually resembles the actor Robert Picardo who played the doctor in Star Trek Voyager. It totally does. It, it does, and uh, I can never, I can never look oh, at yeah. Johnny Cab again uh, without without seeing the, the doctor from uh, Voyager. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, if I if I had a favorite scene in the movie, I, I, I think it would be. Oh, um, I think it would be probably 
when Arnold was holding the gun to the guy's head, trying to figure out if he should take that pill or not to enter uh, reality. Okay, and all I'm going to say is how could that scene not have inspired the Matrix? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the red pill or the blue pill. So I'm just going to say... That when you were kind of dismissing me for the movie no, no, inspiring it, no. the movie totally. After thinking about that scene, yeah, it totally did. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But you know, we also have a Quado Quade. Start the reactor. Start the reactor. I mean, it, it, it was so cool because the whole film. You know, it started out with this guy who didn't quite know who he was or who he wanted to be. And it ends with him saving the whole planet Mars, restoring oxygen and atmosphere, and people can breathe. Yeah, what a, what a great what a great movie! What a great movie! It was fantastic. I I, I enjoyed watching it again. I don't know. I, I I've never watched the new one, and I don't. Oh, think yeah. I could. That because... was the thing. Like when I was looking up, I was I kept. I mean, I remember seeing trailers for the new one when it came out 2012 and I was just like, huh, I remember seeing total recall with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I should watch that again. I remember really liking it. And then I just never got around to either of them. Um, but what I was reading, cause I did read up on the 2012 one and that one apparently is just strictly like on earth. And they just watch it where there's like two continents. There's like the United Brits. Hold on. Let me find it real quick. Um, yeah, I've, yeah I've, it's, it's like I've, kind of like a post-apocalyptic Earth. Um, there's now two main territories. It's the United Federation of Britain, and then there's the colonies kind of thing. Um, and like the United Federation of Britain is the British Isles in Europe, and then the colony is Australia, and people travel back and forth through the Earth's core kind of thing. Um, so it's like set uh, on Earth kind of thing it's like Why? A that's interesting story, but it sounds like all the characters names are the same um the storyline's the same it's just not set on mars kind of thing. that's that's interesting yeah i uh, i didn't see the 2012 total recall because i was so uh my loyalty was to arnold schwarzenegger's total recall <laughs> and, and i am kind of curious about maybe going back and watching it um, I, I I don't know. I remember looking at it, being somewhat interested, and then hearing the reviews about it. I'm like, eh. what, what did the reviews say? I, I I was hearing that it wasn't that great. Yeah, and from what I'm seeing from the synopsis, it looks like that the remake didn't balance that. Is it a dream? Is it reality? Very well, because it seems more like there was a definite ending kind of thing. It was like, oh, really? They defeated the bad guys for sure, but so. So the the new one, the 2012 version, it sounds like it was real, not a dream then. Yeah. Is that what you're getting from it? And I I think when you lose that balance, you lose the mystery of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean like they, yeah, go ahead Austin. I, I was just going to say, I mean, let's let's be honest, the uh the the film it, it holds up we're talking about it 30 years later because of it. Was it a dream or was it reality? <laughs> yeah, and it sounds and, like and the remake was kind of like, they, they weren't sure if the audiences today would like that, which I'm like, I don't know why. Cause what? the conception was really good in that 
cliffhanger like ending of like is it is it not and and so i don't know like i'm just i'm just reading this plot synopsis so i'll have to get around and like try to find the movie and watch and let you guys know so so did you actually read somewhere that that the hollywood in the the studios were saying that they weren't sure audiences today oh, no, would sorry, like this is that total, or not this is total my conjecture conjecture Oh, like, okay. like what from what I'm reading from the plot synopsis gotcha. of the remake, um, it sounds more definite and like, you know, this is reality kind of thing. And so that sorry, I I, sh- I should have oh, made no, that no, more no. clear. But yeah, I was like, it just seems to me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, were, I... the, the audiences today would feel that way like we couldn't handle a deep storyline and is it is it not kind of thing so that's just like uh, my personal opinion personal uh, opinion of Jekka. okay so so if we all had to voice our own opinion was it a dream or was it reality and you had you had to pick one what would you pick amanda okay go to someone else for stuff think about it <laughs> What was that? I just, I just wanted to interrupt you. <laughs> All right, Jekka, you go for. It. I already interrupted you once. If you if do you believe it was a dream or reality? Which way do you lean? You know, I think when when I watched it, I I think I was like, I, for me, I was like, it's got to be reality. I want it to be a reality. I want it to have this good, happy ending. I want him to be bad guy, get the girl and save the planet. So I'm like reality all the way. But I think a small part of me had that like doubt in it. But I'm going to say reality. I think it was reality. You think it was reality. All right. Amanda? So I'm going to say I... (laughs) I'm going to poke you. It's not me. It's Arnold. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Okay, so I think it was reality because in my mind, I've never thought of it as really a dream. Oh, okay. All like, right. whenever I've watched it, I've never thought that this was a dream. I've always thought it was reality. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. You know, when I when I watched the film, I've I've never 100% come to a conclusion. Uh, even though I've watched this film like 80 million times and um, I basically kind of refuse to choose one or the other. I- I'm going to, because I asked, I asked you guys to, but I've, I- but I've kind of refused because I always wanted to keep that mystery there. And, and see, I'm, I'm interrupting myself too. You, yeah. you don't have to be mad at me now, Amanda. Anyways. Um, but I, I think I think it was a dream because everything that was promised to happen did happen. Um, and, and at the same time, I want that happy ending to Jekka that you're talking about. I, I kind of, so, so I guess, I guess I, I believe it's a dream, but I want it to be reality. If that makes sense. So, so, well, there you have it, folks. That was Total Recall's 30th Anniversary Rewind. We were celebrating that, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. So please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you're listening to us. Subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, 
Spotify, Anchor, or wherever else you find us next week. We actually have a new movie coming out thanks to uh, Disney+. Plus. Uh, Artemis Fowl. Watch Artemis Fowl on Disney+. Plus. It's kind of like a fantasy... Uh, sci-fi, it's, more it's fantasy. Like genius fantasy. Heist yeah, movie. yeah, yeah. There you go. It's like a fantasy heist, heist movie. So, so next week we're talking Artemis Fowl. So make sure to watch the movie and leave us a voicemail with your thoughts on Artemis Fowl at Anchor.fm/SuperNerdPodcast, and you just might be featured on the upcoming show. You can also email us your thoughts at supernerdpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search Super Nerd Podcast. Give us a like. Give us a share. Please subscribe to the podcast and tell a friend about us. But from all of us at Super Nerd Podcast, thanks so much for joining us. And stay nerdy, my friends. Have fun. Stay sweet. So I go there, you know the rest. The best part is the girl with three breasts. Total re recalling. Total re. So I'm on Mars and I meet Queto and I pull this big metallic thing out of my nose. It makes me scream and shout and move my big robotic head all about totally. See you at the party, Victor. Total re recalling. One more time, fellas. Total recalling. I'm going to start balling. I'm so sad. I can't. Sharon Stone and Macaulay Culkin was left home all alone. Ah! Total recalling! Total recalling! Johnny, give me the bass. You're not, you don't, you got to slap it a little harder. Give, give me the bass. The, Alright. Okay. What is this? I don't, I don't think it's in tune because I. I don't know the fingering. It's not working. Gra- Johnny, grab my hand!